0: This is your coffee break. Hey friends, Sarah here again this week. I am back. I have with me a very good friend of mine, Corey Vilhauer, who is, uh, I believe in his own words, a writer who doesn't write. Corey, is that accurate?
1: that's about as accurate as it can be.
0: <laughs> well, welcome to the show. I'm I'm so happy to have you here today. You are, well, I won't say like, oh, you're one of my favorite speakers and all that because that would probably make you really uncomfortable and I've just done it accidentally. So we're off to a great start. Um, can Wonderful. You, <laughs> can you tell us um, just a little bit about your own journey as a writer slash not writer?
1: I am. have gotten very good at not writing over the past several years. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I actually have a, a degree in um, biology education, uh, and I've used that mostly to not do biology education. <laughs> That's it's a theme. It's, yeah, it's, there's, a, there's a big theme here. Um, I, uh, I decided, um, I, I took a class back in college, um, and I think it was just some random essay class, and I realized I really liked it, and I realized I might actually be sort of good at it. And so I, I um, figured for a while that I was going to pretend to be a writer, and I did that by creating really bad websites, um, like in like the late 90s, for fake wrestling federations and um, other various things. And then um, ended up starting a WordPress blog and became um, sort of a, yeah, I, I wrote for some magazines and I wrote for, um, I did one disastrous point when I tried to write for the Argus Leader, which is the, the newspaper here in Sioux Falls. And um, I, they didn't invite me back, so I can imagine probably oh. it wasn't awesome. <laughs>
0: I was going to say, I remember that you, you wrote a beer column.
1: Oh no, this is different. No, oh, I, that's different. This okay. is, this is back. It must've been, I was like 2003, 2004. Um, I wrote uh, an article for the uh, local hockey team, the Sioux Falls stampede. Um, and I mean, it was like I, the final score was something crazy, like eight to five. And there was a fight where they had doled out 50 minutes worth of penalties and there could not have been <laughs> a more exciting article to write about. And I'm like, I don't know. They, I, just managed to somehow overwrite uh, a newspaper article as a, as a string writer. Um, but then ended up uh, just getting into uh, copywriting um, through sheer force of not saying no, not taking no for an answer. Um, I just kept reaching out to him like, Hey, you should hire me. I'll be cheap. And that worked. Dude,
0: tell me more about that. Cause I know there's a lot of listeners uh, on the show right now who maybe are looking to get into copywriting. Um, tell us a little bit about that.
1: I mean copywriting as a concept is really interesting in that uh it's th- there aren't any real rules, but it's it depends so much on understanding the actual rules of language I mean the idea is that you were supposed to break all the possible rules possible in order to create something that's creative um but un- unfortunately, if you don't know those rules to break, then you just have really really, really bad copy <laughs> and and i I don't know if it was just um through the fact that i wrote all the time on this blog and i just published everything and i I was able to go back and say okay like this was good this was bad and adjust my style through um through that blog and then sort of learn on the job as a copywriter which is very easy to do that's sort of the idea copywriting is such an entry-level position which Mm -hmm. i think is a little bit of an issue because copywriting also is the centerpiece of what most advertisements and what most um, any sort of uh, creative communication is that, uh, I mean, you get there's a lot of leeway. I mean, you write an awful lot and you get most of it rejected. Um, So I guess, you know, trying to write anyway is like that.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. I I love that. I love that description of copywriting as a sort of dance between knowing the rules and breaking them appropriately. Um, can you give us an idea or an example of one of those rules?
1: Well, sure. Um, I mean, the biggest concept in writing is that you should probably write within the rules of the English language. Um, you should maybe punctuate correctly, and you should um, spell things correctly and not make up <laughs> fake words. And Punctuating incorrectly and making up fake words is what most of the advertisements that anyone ever remembers (laughs) has been built on. Uh I mean, I mean, you know, this the the, just do it as a sentence is not really great English because it doesn't refer to anything. There's no context around it, Um, but because of that, you're able to sort of take it and make it whatever you want it to be. Um, And so, most of the great advertising is really short, sort of grammatically incorrect um you know again way too way too many fake words way too many portmanteaus that should just never be mentioned again yet here they are making millions of dollars for someone
0: that's so fascinating i love that i love that dichotomy there i also want to go back to something else you said um when you got into writing you said you pretended to be a writer can you can you tell me about i guess what it was like to pretend to be a writer and how that might be different from being a writer if there is a difference
1: there probably isn't a difference i mean if you are publishing something and even if you're not publishing something, even if it's just you putting it even if publishing just means getting it down on paper or on the screen, you technically, I believe, are a writer. But I when I say I was pretending to be a writer, I mean that I was ultimately I wasn't getting paid for it. I wasn't doing things anyone's asked me for. Nothing was commissioned. And I wasn't exactly trying incredibly hard either. I was just literally trying to write things that I thought were interesting because I knew that I wouldn't get better at it unless I just Hammered things out, mm. and and the weird thing about it is that, you know, you will run into advice that says make sure you write a little bit every day. Right, seven, there's a a service back I don't know if it's service or whatever you call it, but um, called seven hundred and fifty words, which I believe I don't know seven hundred and fifty words or five hundred words, something like that, where it was a site where it would you you would get points for like writing seven hundred and fifty words a day, hmm. um, and it was just the sole purpose of it is just to get something out, and um, I would do that. I wouldn't be so militant about it i didn't believe that um me forcing myself to write something was going to be any good or be of any quality but because i didn't have any rules around it because i was sort of just like pretending to to do this in my eyes i was able to really find a voice Mm -hmm. and really um figure out what i wanted to write about and how i wanted to write and um you know i've got this i mean the blog was still up since 2005 um it's uh, Black Marks on Woodpulp, um, which is at blackmarks.net. Uh, there, it's From about 2005 to 2009, there's just an incredible amount of really embarrassing things <laughs> in terms of, you know, what am I doing here? Why am I writing this? There was a point when I started going back and looking at things, and, um, and, and I realized there are certain subjects I really enjoyed writing about. I uh, really enjoyed writing about sports at the time, and that's sort of what led me down to this idea that I'm going to become a sports writer. Uh, One of the most lucrative positions in the world, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I was going to, I enjoyed writing about um, books. I really enjoyed writing about media uh, in a way that wasn't just about the media, which I think is really important. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sorry, when I say media, not like the, um, not broadcast media, but uh, books. I Mm -hmm. I wrote a book column for a magazine right when I started um, that I did for free. I believe I did that for the promise of getting Books from publishers, which I never received. Oh, um, that, that, that was the last free free project I ever did. But um, writing about um, uh, records, I had a, I had a plug for about four months where I wrote about records. Um, like I said, writing about the uh, Sioux Falls Sky Forest, which is our our uh, NBA D League team, and what I found I enjoyed doing was writing about anything but the actual subject, but using the subject as a as a as a prompt almost. And so, you know, I would spend a giant chunk of time on this on this beer, like you mentioned earlier, I used to write a beer column. I would very rarely write about the beer itself <laughs> because there's literally nothing more boring than listening to somebody talk about how what a beer tastes like.
0: I and don't so disagree, I, but <laughs> Yeah.
1: And so I I found the sort of the type of writing I really enjoyed doing was less book reporting and more um focusing on The idea that all of us have incredibly different tastes Hmm. and the things that we like are not the things that other people like and if you can write with that in mind you can write more about the experience around something and i still do that today when i write about content strategy Mm -hmm. uh, which is the industry that i'm in and writing about web writing and stuff like that i can't identify with every single situation but i can identify with the concepts and the feeling around um, the concepts and, and being able to sort of put those in a more realistic, humanistic way. I don't know how I got on the point, but I rambled all the way there.
0: <laughs> I love that you got there, though, because it's a wonderful point, point. I'm so glad that you made it. Um, that And that's one of the things that I really admire, because I also um, I, I remember your very short-lived um, blog about records, and one thing I always admire about your writing and your speaking is that you are so... Um, I don't know if I want to say like so firm in your voice, but I I, I think that that's something I'd like to ask you about in that when you speak, when you write, it's very distinctively you. Can you tell us a little bit about um, how you developed that voice? And I guess if you did it consciously or unconsciously, and if you have any advice for people looking to build their own voice.
1: I feel like there was, uh, there was a point um, when I realized I had a voice and it was Again, it was back writing this blog, um, you know, back in, at this point, probably 2008, 2009, when I was just trying to start as a copywriter and figure out what I wanted to do and realizing that um, that I have a sound. I, I could, I would recognize myself writing certain things, and I would go back and read things, and I wouldn't remember what I wrote, yeah. but I'd read it and be like, oh, this, I get where I'm. What I'm doing here, this apparently is sort of you know, sort of stumbling upon the idea that, oh, crap, I have a voice. I don't, I don't know where it came from. <laughs> I don't know how it worked. but it just happened. And I think that that is that's really important. and I think part of it is there because I didn't necessarily officially train or take, any, take a lot of classes or do anything to sort of learn how to write. What I did was I wrote in a way that I thought I would enjoy if I was reading it. And then I go back, and I'm the, I'm horrible at editing. I'm horrible at spelling. Um, I have just the most the grossest grammar errors when I finish up, and I have to go back and find it. Or usually, people find it once I've posted it online already. Oh, that's helpful. Yeah, you well know, yeah. I figure, well, at least <laughs> at least someone's looking out for me. Um, but I, as far as um, how I did that, and what I would what I would suggest to people who are beginning to write is focusing on that voice and it, in a way that is trying to sound different without being too cute which is what i used to do i mean i read back some of my old stuff and the grossest part of it to me is that i was just like trying way too hard like you read it and you're you and like oh gosh you don't like, stop doing whatever that is just don't <laughs> do that anymore um but going back and reading that and like f- and finding the things that you did like and trying to sort of subconsciously uh bring that into um what you're writing it makes it feel more real because it ends up being much closer to the actual voice that you use. Um, I mean, that's, and again, it, you know, one of, the, one of the things you do learn when you're sort of learning to write, when you're, when you're taking classes and when, um, especially if you're going into any sort of writing-related field, is to go back through something and read it out loud. Mm-hmm. Because when you read it out loud, you find all the stuff that just sounds really stilted and really, um, really stiff. Um, and I do still do that, so I think maybe that probably helps a lot.
0: I do that too, and when um, I, I help train new writers, sometimes, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things I do is they're like, "Sarah, how do I make this sound more natural?" and I say, "Read it out loud," and they kind of look at me, and I'm like, "I'm I'm not kidding. Read read it out loud to me right now, and tell me what doesn't sound natural about it." And so that's so true.
1: So where did you where did you learn that when you? Because I don't remember ever hearing that until no. long after I already knew it.
0: No, you know what? I d- I don't either. I I know that I just started doing it. Boy, what a great question. Because they don't officially <laughs> teach you that. They Like, you don't go into a writing class in college and they're like, oh, read it out loud. I, I,
1: I wonder I wonder if, um, I mean, for me, if I think back now, I guess when you, I mean, when I first, when it first really clicked on writing with a voice, I guess I was an advertising copywriter and I was writing commercials. I was writing like 30 second and 60 second radio ads. And so you're sort of forced to that point, not only to learn how to edit, and, and again, learn, to learn how to edit in a way that is not grammatically correct because now you're no longer writing something to read, you're writing something to hear. And then you have to read it back and you have to, sort of, uh, you have to hear what those words are going to do when they're actually sp- spit out by somebody who's getting paid probably more than you are at that point to read them, to read them in a very professional voice. Um, and I do that now. I do a lot of speaking. And one of the big things I used to, I, I, I used to try to do it off of an outline. And now what I've gotten to the point of doing is writing it out in longhand, you know, writing 6,000 words and saying 6,000 words is going to end up equaling five or 50 minutes. And then once I've got that down, reading it back and realizing, yikes, I'm repeating myself here, stuff that you might not notice when you're typing it out, some of those redundancies and then having to edit it backwards into an outline. Um, So I guess maybe maybe there's something there.
0: I think this is so interesting because you talk about not receiving official training for writing. And then, you know, we just kind of talked about like, oh, this really important rule to make your writing sound good is not something they teach in school.
1: If there's one thing I've learned most about writing um, or reading what I like, what I enjoy writing and sort of how how writing has changed Mm. in terms of what is published is uh, sort of I mean, Part of it is this idea that you can publish on your own, and so the rules of what makes a good article have drastically changed from when we were in school and when the things that we were learning in school and how you learn to be a writer mm. um, at that point, where they're just trying to teach you the basics, they're not trying to teach you voice yet, they just want you to not look stupid on your resume. <laughs> they're like, let's get something, <laughs> whatever you write, if it's creative writing, they try to hammer out the creative part of that creative writing to get you to focus on the basics and then try to bring you back into creative writing. Mm. And I think, I mean, I'm sure that's probably somewhat backwards. It's, it's funny, I can't, I wish I could figure out which article it was. I read, read an article about how kids learn how to write and how they're at their most creative up until like fourth or fifth grade. And then there's such a focus place on learning how to write and to try to, instead of saying, okay, we're, we're no longer gonna let you throw stuff on a page because at some point you have to learn the structure. But it's very difficult for people to move away from the structure back into the creativity they had when they were, you know, in, in first through fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I, and I see that now. Um, you know, the the type of writing that my kids are coming home with now is more often um, them learning how to uh, craft what would end up being a research paper, um, mm-hmm. which is very important um, in order to how to structure that, how to make it seem logical. But at that level, it's very difficult to teach somebody how to write a research paper while also having some sort of of their own voice in it, they're almost two separate, completely separate things. And so now that you have things like Medium and things like you know when WordPress was big, I guess WordPress still is big as as a blog <laughs> platform. Yeah, you know, back when WordPress was big, um, but even even the way people are writing on Twitter through those giant tweet stream things, um, which makes me sound older. You know what I mean? I don't call <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but the concept of writing has changed so much. And I've learned more about my own style by reading people on the web who are free to post something that is outside of what might be New York Times specific voice or Washington Post specific voice or The New Yorker things like that.
0: That is so, so fascinating. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think that there really is. There really is something there. I love the point about you know stripping the creativity away and then later trying to put it back in I feel like I agree that that is there's something wrong there and Mm -hmm. but you know trying to change the entire educational system may be a little lofty for my agenda here on this podcast but
1: (laughs) yeah I mean it's it's funny like I, I over time you know I was I mean I was a teacher I didn't teach that um I didn't teach much. I, did, I did, found out I hated it. Um, but um, just seeing how different things are from from when I went to school, obviously, which again sounds like such an old man thing to say, but um, I mean it's completely different. Where where I think it's actually maybe less structured now, but um, in that they're more focused on getting the meaning out. They're not as focused about spelling and perfect punctuation and stuff, at least at the younger ages as I remember. But again, it's just like the necessary separation between creativity and structure um, has to be taught somehow and you just can't do it at the same time.
0: I agree. And I feel like your work dovetails into this a little bit with creativity and structure. I mean part of what you do is sort of um, guiding companies and corporations through what that structure looks like.
1: yeah, that's um a big part of what we do. the the idea of content strategy as a as, a, as an industry is focused on building content that can work on the web and there's two parts of it there's the sort of advertising e marketing message based side of it um, which I do at a very small level now but have background in it because I was a copywriter and because I have written for my myself. And then there's the structure side where you actually have to take you have to take those words and make them fit within the structure of a site mm. and it's um, it's a type of thing you don't think about until you have to, you know, hop onto WordPress and and type out something, and, and suddenly you're like, oh no, I have to figure out which of these lines to use to make the heading the right size. And then once you do that, you have to figure out, wait, are these in the right order, um, so so that it doesn't isn't misconstrued by whatever robot is actually going to take this content and put it out on the web. Then um, you have to figure out, like, am I categorizing this correctly so people find it? Am I using the right summaries so that people can find it? Um, stuff I think that we take for granted if we don't write and publish to the web Mm -hmm. in that so much of the content that we see has gone through this filter of a, of a content management system. And we don't realize it until we actually have to jump in there and do it. We don't realize that there are separate titles and separate summaries and, and that the date fits in here in one way and fits in someplace else in another way. We just get to see the the final product. We get to see an article and the article has a title and it has a, um, or I guess a headline and it has a bunch of body copy and it might have a, a image and a and a caption, it's just like the newspaper, you mm-hmm. know? it's just like our newspaper that we get. And obviously people just throw it on there
0: and
1: uh, <laughs> it's really not how it works.
0: <laughs> I have heard that phrase a lot, just throw it on there. That, that yeah. seems to be a very popular, uh, I don't know, envisioning of what the process looks like sure. of getting copy onto a website. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so like right now we, we talk about this sort of uncomfortable balance, maybe or maybe a comfortable balance between structure and creativity and um, technology has played a huge role in that. Where do you see that going?
1: Uh, as far as the way we are publishing and as far as the way that we are creating content these days, uh, I mean, there is a level of structure that we never had to deal with before because we could just write until we ran out of pen. You know, we we write until we run out of space. Um, and now they're, they're both, this, there's this weird this weird thing where not only do we have an unlimited amount of space, we can type as long as we want, there's no... There's no limit to the size of a of a of a piece of content on on the internet, but also that unlimitedness has is is actually very constrained by structure. Hmm. Um, and so that I mean, even even like I said, even if you're posting one of those tweet threads, they ultimately are they are bound by 140 characters per section, and there's nothing you can do to get around that. And so you have to, while writing something super creative, use those constraints to sort of. Um, both make it work and also hopefully use it to your advantage. I mean, the, the, one of the biggest groups of people that I, that I think benefited from um, from Twitter as a, as a publishing medium are uh, comedians,
0: mm-hmm. up mm-hmm.
1: comedians who were able to start to like throw out these little pithy jokes and realize I mean, the 140 character limit is, is a, nece- a a necessary boundary around which they have to be more creative in order to make it work. And so they end up with better things. You know, it's forcing you to edit what you have. I think with, with the way creativity plays into the web, and of course this is not going to, you know, of course great novels are still going to be great novels because they are going to take the same shape as they always have, and, and long-form long, long form articles are always going to be the same as they always have been because magazines are only a certain amount of space. But the thought that has to go into um, putting structure around the publication and even more the promotion of Of something that we might just see as sort of a throwaway article back in the day it's it's really important like can you can you write an article that can be summed up in you know fifty five words or are you going to struggle within that structure to um to to get everything into that initial summary um and so so I guess things like that make us sort of force us to to both try to be creative within the structure that we get but also to have to break our content into um, into little pieces in a way that is parsed bo- both by the machines that are going to have to handle it and publish it, and also in a way that makes sense to the people who are going to read it, uh, who are still imagining a traditional article that's um, that's sort of long and has a natural progression and a narrative.
0: You're so right. We're, we're in an age now where we're writing not only for people, but for bots. And, and it's just such a weird place to be. And I think we're still f- Figuring out what that looks like and what we want it to look like.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the thing that I that I think frust- frustrates me the most about the idea that we're writing for writing for the web is that writing for the web uh, requires us to dumb down the content or requires us to make things shorter. Because um, I don't think either one of those things are true. I think mm-hmm. I think what we have to do is write things with a machine in mind to understand that that this is a thing that's going to be published, and people are going to read it on whatever device they're reading it on. But that doesn't mean that it has to be dumbed down. It doesn't mean that it has to be shorter. It just means that you have to write well, like people always had to write well in the past. I mean, there's nothing different. I mean, when you talk about things like search engine optimization, there's there's the best thing that you can do to get your uh, your articles, or your, or, or your, it goes up even to books, to your books, to your essays, to anything. The best thing you can do to get that shared is to write it as well as you can.
0: Do you have a favorite book about writing?
1: I mean, my favorite book is everyone's favorite book about writing. Um, actually, no, I, I take that back. My favorite book is Bird by Bird <gasps> by Anne Lamott. Yes. Um, I did, I did appreciate um, Stephen King's on oh. writing. I also have an issue with it because Stephen King is a is like a machine, and not everyone can write like that. In fact, I wrote an article for something not too long ago, uh, a few months back, about um, about productivity and about how anybody who goes into life thinking that they can match Stephen King's output and and way of writing is, is just is fooling themselves. Um, that was more about like here's a here's a thing to aspire to, whereas I thought Anne Lamott's Bird by Bird was more here are things to make it feel like it's okay to fail and it's okay if it seems hard because it is. And so advice-wise, I think Annalat's book is much, much more valuable.
0: And can I link to the article that you wrote? Would that be okay? Yes. Please send me a link to that. I'll make sure I include it in the show notes for this episode. That would be awesome. Finally, one last question here. Um, What are you reading right now? Anything good?
1: (laughs) Oh, boy. So when I... (laughs) So when I stopped writing, I also stopped reading, apparently. Hmm. Um, I just I just finally finished. It took me a full year to finish reading Alex Chernow's. Is Alex Chernow? The the Hamilton book. The, oh, yeah, yeah, the actual yeah, yeah. Alexander Hamil, Al, yeah. Alexander Hamilton by Rob. Rob Chernow? Ron Chernow. It does not matter. I'm it's not
0: going to be able to help you.
1: <laughs> the big, thick book. Um, it took me forever to read, and the only reason I finished it is because I realized I can I can actually skim. I can skim some of these chapters that are that are about like presidential policy and get into the cool stuff like you know uh, everything else <laughs> that wasn't presidential policy. Um, so that was good. I have been reading. Um, there's a handful of Laurie Moore short story books I've been just like reading forever. Um, I have. I don't think I've ever, and I, I think this is pretty common with people who who uh who read at all um and especially was so when I read a lot more I have like eight books I'm in the middle of right now oh me too I'm not sure where I am in most of them but um but I've always really appreciated jumping into short story collections and um Lori Moore is an absolute favorite of mine so um I know I've got one of hers on my bookshelf right now or bookstand right now very
0: cool I guess, um, as, as we sort of wrap up here, do you have any, I guess, final advice for the writers who might be listening to this episode today?
1: Um, I mean, by the advice that I have always tried to live by myself is to continuously remind myself that if I don't finish something or if I don't like something, or if it's just not coming, that the worst thing I can possibly do is just sit there and sit on it and worry about it for a long time. Um, I really do believe that most of my good writing is stuff that I let go for about a week and came back to and had the energy to start over again, um, especially when it comes to blog posts and things like that. Obviously, um, I'm trying to write a book about uh, internet words, and it's, it's a lot. But when I do finally sit down after taking a break from it for a few weeks, um, it comes so much more naturally. Uh, yes. it's, and it's one of the reasons I, I stopped the idea of trying to write something every day Um, as much as I always thought this is going to be a great exercise, it never works out. I always get burned out. I always feel like it becomes a chore. Mm -hmm. And when it becomes a chore, then I don't, what's the point of me doing it? Right. Yes. And it
0: it almost goes back to the trying too hard thing too. You know, sometimes you just have to let it go. And I appreciate that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Oh my gosh. I feel like, well, I was about to say, I feel like I have a whole other episodes worth of questions. Um, (laughs) But I'm going to go ahead and wrap up just to kind of keep in line with the rest of the the episodes in the show. Corey, you're just one of my favorite people to talk to about writing and books and content strategy. Thank you so much for your voice. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for sort of bringing a fresh look to copywriting. I just appreciate you so much.
1: Well, and thanks for having me on. This has been a lot of fun.
0: Yay, good. Yay.